The Doctor Is In is a co-production of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Hi, everybody. This is Dr. Ray. You are listening to a least worst of The Doctor Is In. We have no best of, but this is truly one of our least worst. Hi, Dr. Ray. How are you? I'm sure I'm going to get really good advice from you. Why do I have to be the insightful professional? You just patted yourself on the back. I'm losing you, buddy. I don't know what you're trying to say. You're just so great. I love your show. Am I close? No. Does that comfort you? No. I'm sorry, and I'm going to confess it because I'm a holy guy. I'm a little intimidated to talk to you because uh, you used a lot of big words. You know, I was looking for a deeper answer. You came to the wrong place. You came to the wrong place if you're looking for deep answers. Now, from the studios of Living Bread Radio Network in Canton, Ohio, the hometown of Mother Angelica, here's Dr. Ray. It is a temptation, I will admit it, to use big words, more or less to sound esoteric and voluble. Magniloquent. It is a temptation. I try to avoid it. Thanks for joining me here on The Doctor Is In. I am in the studios of Ann Arbor Communications up here. Oh, Ann Arbor. Ave Maria in Ann Arbor. Across the plexiglass, of course, is my producer man, Andrew Kruchek, and Eric Dumont, your call screamer. Inviting your calls, 877 877-57. Equal. It's the number to call to get onto the program if you have questions about stuff in your life that's bugging you or confusing you or not doing any of that. It's just you wonder if you should be a little more bothered about it. Who says? And you just think, okay, let's just see what this dude says. I'm a psychologist. That's what I do professionally. And on the radio, I don't do the professional stuff of psychology. I don't diagnose. I don't do therapy. I certainly don't step into the turf if you're seeing a therapist. I'm not going to do that. That therapist knows you infinitely better than I do, or somewhat better than I do anyway. 877-57-EQUAL. A couple of items of business. Uh, One of the reasons I'm up here is that tonight, good Lord permitting, uh, Augusta, Michigan, their dinner is at 6 o'clock at St. Anne's in Augusta, Michigan. And then after that, I think it's 645 is the talk, me. I told him, you remember when you were a kid and you'd go swimming and you'd eat? And my mother would always say, no, you you can't get in the pool for at least one hour. You'll get cramps. And later on when I got bigger, I thought, how dangerous are cramps when I'm in two feet of water? You know, this is this is the notion that, okay, well, if you're swimming uh, four miles or something and you're going to cramp up. Well, <clears throat> I don't think that's really the case anymore but i think what the people did is they had the dinner and now they have an hour break between me talking or something i don't know quite how that goes maybe not quite an hour so they don't get cramped listening to me so if you'd like to join us at uh, st anne's in augustine dinner at five masses at five thirty, dinners at six talks at six forty-five. Psychologists have favorite research subjects. People or beings. Well, I wouldn't even use the word being. Uh, People or lives. 
that we use. Our two favorites are rats and college sophomores. Remember when I was in grad school and I I had to earn some money as a psychology assistant, I would uh, do experiments. The profs would design the experiment and I would be the, the runner. I'd be the gut work on the experiment. In a classic experiment in personality, these rascally psychologists, very, very twicky, told a bunch of college students, we have developed a new state-of-the-art test, one that we believe is highly accurate. They gave the questionnaire, personality questionnaire, to the students. We will have your results. We'll come back and we'll ask you how you think they fit you. Came back, gave the kids the results, asked, well, how close were we? The bulk of the students said, very close, very close. Oh, I think you captured me well. Yeah, that's me. Mm-hmm. I don't remember the exact percentages who thought it just described him very, very closely, but it was high. It was very high. Well, Dr. A, come on. They said it was a, a new personality test. They said it was better than the stuff that's been out. What, what would you expect, right? Science marches on. Um, that, just one detail here. Maybe I should, I should bring it up. I don't know if it's relevant. All the kids got the same description. Exact same description. So how is it that the majority of the kids said, yeah, yeah, you captured me. That's me, all right. There's two explanations for this. One is not all that relevant to you right now, and that is they designed the test specifically (laughs) to be generic. While you're often outgoing, you treasure those private moments. New situations can sometimes make you feel ill at ease, but once within the situation, you relax fairly quickly. The psychologist gave a name to their description, Aunt Fanny. They said that this kind of describes uh, the average person. Anybody's hypothetical Aunt Fanny. All right, Dr. Ray, you said there was a second factor here that uh, related more to our everyday. That's true. We talk, we live, we describe people in personality traits. Oh, yeah, he's he's a happy-go-lucky guy. She's real honest. She's real honest. He's, He's edgy. He's edgy. We take these broad traits... And we use them as summaries to describe someone. The problem with these kind of broad traits is that they are only defined by actual specifics. If you say, he's an honest guy, what exactly does that mean? He'd never ever tell the smallest lie? He won't cheat on his tax return. He gives his employer 100% every day. 
He'll tell you exactly what he thinks when he thinks it. What exactly does honest mean and how much does it embrace? How many parts of who he is fall under the umbrella of honest? If you say somebody's difficult for you, well, that's a personality trait. He's difficult. Well, you're kind of implying that's who he is. But is he difficult for his mom? They have a great relationship. Where, where did his difficult trait go? Is he, is he difficult at work? You know, at work they love your husband. You think he's difficult at home. And he may well be with you, but, but to describe him as difficult as though that's who he is? No, it depends upon the context. It depends upon who he's around. The ladies at work love him. They would describe him as positive and complimenting and easygoing, and you're saying, that's not who he is. Well, it's who he is there. Or the parent who says, my child is strong will. See, that's, that's characteristic. That's who he is. That's who this child is innately. The teacher says, oh, I love him. He is the most pleasant, cooperative young man. I wish I had a whole classroom full of him. And you pull out your phone, you scroll up a picture, and you say, is this a kid? What's, what school is this? Who are you? I thought I had his teacher. See, he's strong-willed in one context. That's perhaps with you. He's the exact opposite in another. Whenever you describe somebody with a personality trait, entertain the idea that you're describing a particularly limited set of behaviors or attitudes or emotions, and it isn't necessarily who he is across the board. Interestingly enough, for a Christian who wants to have a certain virtue, let's say humility. I like talking about humility because that's, I think that's one of my top virtues. Pretty much convinced it is, anyway. I can explain to you why I think that if you, if you want to listen. I've got press releases on that. The more you want to pursue humility, the more you want it to influence everything where you are, who you are, how you talk, reluctance to promote yourself in a self-seeking sort of way. A certain amount of promotion is going to happen. I mean, come on, you can't be in media without putting out a publicity photo and your bio and all that stuff. But overall, person to person, you really don't want to focus on yourself, and you'd like that to be pretty much a, a dominant characteristic. You don't want it to be, well, I'm humble with my boss because, well, he's, he's a pretty accomplished guy and I feel funny trying to talk about my own accomplishments. So around him, he really thinks I don't talk much about myself. But when I go to church, they're going to hear how holy I am. So you want your virtues to be as broad-based across contexts as possible. If you're going to be loving, you want to be loving with as many people as you can be loving with. You don't want to say, well, I'm loving with her. That guy's hard to take, so I'm not, all, I'm not all that pleasant with him. I'm kind of prickly with him. Personality traits are the way we speak. There's no way around it. 
We're not going to speak in behavior specifics. We're not going to say, my child is very strong-willed, mostly with me and not with other people. We don't say that. We don't qualify it. My child is strong-willed as a generic trait. Much of the time, it's not true. However, just know this. If you say, for example, she's a very self-centered woman, but she has six children. So she can't be self-centered all the time because somebody's taking care of those six children, and in your opinion, she does a nice job of it. So you can't be too self-centered with six kids. Maybe she's self-centered with you. Who knows why? Personality traits. Aunt Fanny description. They are very much susceptible to our particular definition of them. I'm Dr. Ray. Uh, I'm going to take a break, but I don't think that indicates necessarily that I'm lazy. All the advice, none of the bills. Come in. The doctor is in. He was a Jesuit, a cardinal, and a doctor of the church. Matthew Bunsen and the Doctors of the Church. St. Robert Bellarmine is honored for his immense contributions to theology, including helping to draft two important catechisms that defended church teachings during the Protestant Revolt. Pope Clement VIII named Bellarmine a cardinal because, as the Pope put it, Bellarmine had not his equal for learning. For more about the Doctors of the Church, visit doctorsofthechurch.com. Underwritten in part by this not-for-profit. Are you looking for peace? Logging for joy? Want to meet the giver of all goodness? God is calling the laity to bring Ignatian prayer into a suffering world. Work for the new evangelization. Go to lordteachmetopray.com. Order your free digital training and manual. Find true happiness and everlasting joy. Go to lordteachmetopray.com. And click on the red button today. It's free. Approved by the USCCB. This program is brought to you in part by MyLifeAngels.com. My Life Angels provides peace of mind by notifying you the moment a loved one enters an emergency room. Right on your smartphone, you'll have instant access to everything needed, including all legal documents, to ensure you are empowered to protect their life-affirming wishes. My Life Angels also alerts hospital ER staff with critical medical information and emergency contacts. More information at MyLifeAngels.com. Would you get on a plane that doesn't have a pilot? Investing in passive index mutual funds may present the same issue. The Ave Maria mutual funds are actively managed by seasoned investment professionals to help you meet your investment goals in a morally responsible way. Ave Maria funds are managed to conform to pro-life and pro-family values. Long-term investors could invest in the no-load Ave Maria mutual funds. You can learn more about the Ave Maria mutual funds at 866-AVE-MARIA or visit AveMariaFunds.com. You're listening to the least worst of The Doctor Is In with Dr. Ray Garendi. So please, no calls at this time. Dr. Ray Garendi, a five-tooled professional baseball player trapped in an aging psychologist's body. Good to have you with me on The Doctor Is In. Now, the folks that are up there right now, these are great, great calls. Do not go away, please. 
unless you absolutely have to, because this is stuff I think is going to help a lot of people. Gretchen, calling from Oregon, is watch. Are you there, Gretchen? Yes, I'm here. Okay. I'm get, there you go, Andrew. Yeah, flip that switcher. I was getting a little bounce back. I didn't want to hear myself twice in case I said something stupid. I didn't want it to be doubled. Okay, Gretchen. Your son and hey. daughter are parenting how? Yes, yes, yes. I'm a single mother of six, and um, my eldest son is 28 and raising two children, one of them a toddler and a new baby. So um, I am thinking about how my eldest um, saw me parent, um, five siblings underneath him, and really has got his head on, has made amazing uh, decisions, especially marrying this wonderful wife of his. So I used, um, well, you, you're one of my great friends because I had your book, uh, Discipline for a Lifetime, and what's the other one? You're a better parent than you think. And I just recently gave those to Stephen and just thinking about the things I'm going to express to you. But I raised my kids with, you know, um, consequences, removing privileges, uh, reinforcing boundaries and expectations. Um, and I even issued work so for restitution and so I could praise my children for a job well done and, and give a reinforcement that they make a contribution to their family and things like that. Um, so my son and daughter-in-law are very beautifully faithful Catholics and they're great at communication, but I, it's really kind of surprising me as I watch him uh, raise uh, Peter James, who's two and a half now. And uh, Hey, think about this, though. Okay, huh? he's two and a half, right? Yeah. If he goes to the potty, because he's right about the age to potty train, they right. could call it Peter James John. <laughs> Sorry, I just going to be covering him. a lot of ground, especially seeing we right. about the. So here's here's what I'm hearing. Here's what I'm hearing, that you're nervous or a little uneasy because they might decide to parent like a lot of young people are now parenting, which is quote unquote called gentle parenting, and you're not right. sure that what yeah. you see as good parenting is something they're going to want to hear. Right, right, right. I guess. Well, I would love to tell you more, but you totally hit it. So there you go. That's why I'm the <laughs> professional. Okay, let me let me jump in here, dear. First of all, okay. it's, it's early in parenting, so you don't have to get a little panicky yet. Uh, he may find that this uh, this gentle parenting approach, which is is I've seen it blow up on many many parents. Uh, and the, and the reason is you can certainly be a gentle parent if you're an authoritative parent. You can be as gentle as all get out. You can be loving and caring and kind as long as the child knows who the parent is. Unfortunately, with gentle parenting, much of the time that authority component is left out of it. It's coming from the perspective of we're all just going to get along. I'm going to share with you my feelings. I'll give you options and choices. And we'll, we'll, I'll misdirect you. I'll redirect you. I'll, I'll figure out what's going on, why you're upset, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And most parents come to my office after about five years of that because it blows up in their faces. Now. Can, can he, I tell you a real quick thing about um, how he gauges? I remember we were. Okay, you know what, honey? I, I, I got other calls. I, I, I don't want to bump you up against break. I'm going to just, I, I don't, that's okay. Call me another time with that one. So, given how he does it, one, 
you shut your mouth. Unless he asks you, don't say a word. Two, hopefully, if your son and daughter-in-law are as level-headed thinkers as you believe they are, at some point they'll say, this isn't working. I can't get him to stay in his own bed. I can't get him to sit on the steps when I tell him to sit on the steps because he did something wrong, because he poked the baby. I can't get him to do that. I keep trying to convince him, but he just throws a fit. So once reality starts to hit, hopefully then he'll realize and he'll, he'll come to you. Unfortunately, this is gentle parenting is a rebound from previous generations who were comfortable with their authority. They weren't jackbooted thugs. They were comfortable with their authority. But the parents now say, no, 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 that's not for us. That's not for us. The, uh, the experts are teaching us. And grandparents like yourself, Gretchen, basically say, what do I do? Because whatever I would suggest would not fit with their present style. So that's my suggestion. Don't suggest. Thank you, dear. Talk to you. Uh, what do we got here? Uh, oh, yeah, I got some time. It's going to probably bounce me through the break. Tom, Boston, Mass. Hi, Tom. Uh, okay, uh, I have two boys, uh, eight, four and a half, and two and a half. And the uh, four and a half, uh, he wanted to be a princess. So everywhere we well, go. Well, he can't. He's not even royalty. Are you royalty? <laughs> so everywhere he go, he, he see princess toy. He want to play with it. For uh, Christmas, he asked Santa for Princess Lego, and then we we have to we buy we bought for him. And then at home, wherever he see like um, wrapping paper on the floor, he wrap it around himself and say that it's a dress, Daddy. Um, uh, am I look like a princess? And then he's like, uh, you're a boy. Uh, but then he like, no, no, I want to be a princess. So now he become the leader, and then his younger brother, which is two and a half following him so they all play princess they have lego at home and my wife and i we're trying to say that you're a boy but then you know we don't want to we feel like we don't want to push him too hard see what i mean tom yeah i talked about this parents are parenting in fear the average parent used to know that little kids especially little boys and little girls when they're young they oftentimes talk about i'm a girl i'm a boy when they're a boy and a girl it happens all the time i want to be a princess sigmund freud although most people don't follow freud anymore but he had i think a notion that fits well here in the psychosexual development of a kid he called it the latency period which is the kid really doesn't kind of lock into necessarily male or female. Yeah, he's a kid. So so a, a four-year-old boy can say, yeah, I want to be a princess. I want to be a dancer. A four-year-old girl can say, I'm going to lift weights and I'm going to be a major league baseball pitcher. Okay. Now, we used to say that's pretty typical. But what's happening is now the parents are told, be careful, because if this is a sign of a gender identity problem, you're really going to mess this kid up. That's what you're afraid of, isn't it? Yes. I know. Exactly. We, I think you're... We don't you're, want to push him to... Wait, like, we don't want to wait, like, wait a minute. Wait, wait, wait. Be a princess. All right. Yeah. Wait a minute. You're allowed as a parent 
to say, no, son, you're a boy. You can be a prince. We'll work on you being a prince. I had a couple of my kids do that, too. They're very boys now. They're men. All right, but they did that. That's not unusual. And it we, we're so, we are so, you know, gender identity confusion used to be viewed as a very, um, r- a very rare thing. It wasn't something that was typical. Well, now we're saying a kid like yours who says, you know, I want to be a princess. Oh, no. Gender identity confusion. That's the first thing we jump to. Instead of saying, no, this is pretty normal development at that age. So I, I wouldn't panic. I'd just kind of ride it out and say, hey, you know, you are a boy, son. And you also notice he's influencing his little two-and-a-half-year-old, which speaks of the social imitation component in all this. Can a stressed brain lead to weight gain? I'm Chuck Gatica, and this is Journey Strong. When things go too right or too wrong in my life, I go for cookies or ice cream. How about you? A study in the journal Neuron indicates that chronic stress can make the brain crave sweet, comfort foods. Apparently, stress can override some of our brain's natural responses to eating. This leads to our eating comfort foods, which leads to a vicious circle of the brain needing to be continuously rewarded to eat a higher-calorie diet. This leads to more food intake with preferences for sweet foods. For this, you get weight gain and even obesity. The vicious circle continues. Avoiding a stress-filled life is important for so many health reasons. Eating healthy is critical every day, but we all get stressed. When that happens, double down on healthy eating and ditch the junk food. Check out the Journey Strong tab for more on this at the homepage of AveMariaRadio.net. The following is a medical moment. Hi, I'm Bobby Schindler, brother of Terry Schiavo. A second opinion is when a physician, other than the one currently responsible for your care, Reviews your medical records and any test results in order to assess, diagnose, and recommend treatment for you. You have the right and don't need to give a reason to seek a second opinion, and many people do so to simply explore options. You may want to get a second opinion when your current physician's recommended treatment doesn't reflect your pro-life values. You want to learn about other possible treatment options and assess risk and benefits. You don't feel that the current healthcare facility is best equipped to handle the treatment. A 2017 study by the Mayo Clinic found that 88% of patients that received a second opinion had a new or refined diagnosis or treatment plan. It very well may pay to get an alternative viewpoint to ensure you get the best care possible. This Medical Moment, brought to you by MyLifeAngels.com. You're listening to the least worst of The Doctor Is In with Dr. Ray Garendi, so please, no calls at this time. Thanks for joining me at the studios of Ave Maria Radio Communications, sitting in the vaunted Al Cresta office and chair studio. I don't know if you've noticed, but I do feel a bit smarter. Al has uh, an IQ somewhere around 400, and I'm just siphoning off a few points. He won't even notice they're gone. Halfway mark, let me give out the number again, because typically that's what happens. Surge at the top, surge at the bottom. 877-573-7825. 
you have an equal chance of pretty much getting on anytime you call. Elizabeth from Big Rapids, Michigan. It's a very kind of uh, masculine-sounding place. Hi, Elizabeth. Hi there. How are you? I'm doing fine, dear. You're going to be, uh, you say caregiver. Are you moving in? She moving in? Um, it'll be temporary. Um, it, she's My mother's going to have surgery at some point, and um, it's a spinal fusion, so it may be a week or two. But um, she, you know, we don't have the procedure scheduled yet or anything, but I'm just kind of getting a heads up on what to expect and what boundaries I can keep. Well, the first thing that hits me, Elizabeth, here is that your mom's having this spinal fusion, mm-hmm. so probably you're going to have to have a mouth fusion. <laughs> yes. Uh, you you, um, you use the words verbal abuse. Now, that to me, as a shrink, sounds very, very serious. Okay, verbal abuse. Do you, do you just mean kind of nasty? Um, she has a history of verbal and physical abuse, and I, at this point, I'm not too concerned about physical abuse. It's too frail. Um, basically. Yeah. So, um, the history, was that when you were a girl? Yes. Okay. And I and, and you're yeah. an adult now, so are you saying this all carried through your adult life, too? Verbal, yes. Verbal. Um, and it's just more so she does not know boundaries so. at all. So you would, using personality traits, you would describe her as nasty and manipulative. In context, in in her private persona, yes. In public, she's very nice. Well, there you go. See, that personality mm-hmm. characteristic doesn't even hold, only in the context of privacy. Yes. And you say that she, she's not reluctant to be nasty with you. She doesn't know sometimes when what she says might be nasty, unless she's trying to get a rise out of me. I really don't know, and I'm, I just don't know. Okay. But I've I have had to hang up on her before because she has gotten nasty. She's on a tirade. Mm-hmm. So when she does this, and you reconnect, she I assume does not apologize. She just goes on like nothing happened. Correct. Mm-hmm. Well, this is good, though. Okay. How many years would you say you've experienced this? Oh, since early childhood. Um, over what you, 40. What are you, 23, Way 24, over 40. 25? All right. 40 years, huh? Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, the question you're asking here is how do you, how do you mentally brace yourself for, yeah. for her being around 24-7, right? Before you could escape, you could hang up. You can't hang up on her when she's living in your house. No, and it's just like if she says something or if she actually physically acts out and tries to hit me, I mean, yeah, if she were not, you know, immobilized or in pain or things like that where I can't just drop her and leave, I don't believe, (laughs) but I need to know. I got to get my game straight more or less. Well, the physical stuff, you're physically more sturdy than she is so that's not likely to happen and if she even threatens it you can stop her correct the most she'll do is backhand me well wait wait a minute why do you get within backhand distance yeah (laughs) well i i'm actually talking about something that happened to my other sibling within the last year so 
right. so yeah. that's worst um, ca- worst case scenario. Possible. She's going to take a swipe it at you. It is possible. Oh, yeah. 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 Right. Worst case scenario. Okay. Well, I don't think that's the thing that's going to push you to your limits. I think her mouth is going to push you to your limits. Uh huh. All right. Now here's why I asked how many years. You've had 40 years of pretty much recognizing your mother's style. Mm-hmm. It's the way she does things, the way she is, it's the way she talks. It's her trip switch temper, her trying to make you feel rotten, whatever she does, whenever she gets right. frustrated. Well, the first thing I would imagine you would think, tell me, Elizabeth, if you did, mm-hmm. how sad that I- mom is this miserable. It's very sad because I know that she is, uh, you know, hurt people, hurt people. Well, that'll help you, though. When you say it's sad, it's hard to be as angry towards someone when you feel bad for them. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying she's not obnoxious because you said she is. (laughs) But what I'm saying is, gee, isn't it sad? You can hang up on your mother. She can't hang up on herself. True. So if you look at your mom as kind of a tragic individual kind of a kind of a sad existence mm-hmm. i i don't feel quite as irritated by her style then here's the second part of that mm-hmm. this has been happening for 40 years when you say well how do i brace myself well you 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 don't really have to brace yourself because you know it's coming because it's been coming for 40 years this is nothing new This is old news. This is old stuff. It has long since lost any surprise. And by that, once you expect it, you're not caught off guard by it. So so you put coffee in front of her to be sweet. And she turns around and she just says something really snotty about Mm -hmm. the coffee and you're thinking to yourself i put this coffee in front of you and this is how (laughs) grateful you are you little witch well (laughs) the bottom line is you you know that she could do that and you put the coffee in front of her to be nice and she didn't react appreciatively all right that's mom that's who she is so once you know that once you're convinced of that and i don't i hope it doesn't take you another 40 years <laughs> You'll recognize that you know what she she doesn't have the power to really get to me anymore. She just doesn't. This okay. is this is all thousands and thousands and thousands of times stuff, and it's 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 just lost its ability to get me upset. That's how you brace yourself. You just go, hey, nothing new here, nothing new to see. Yeah. And if you say, if you say, okay. But wait a minute. I'm going to tell you what she said last night. <laughs> well, okay, what are you going to do? You're going to say, well, now that's bad even for mom. Well, but again, it's still under the same umbrella, nastiness, mm-hmm. snottiness, and, you know, unhappiness. When you see yeah. somebody that's lived their life like that, in a lot of ways, you got to go, oh, dear Lord, give them some kind of peace. Because they're much oh, more yeah. they're much more miserable than they could make me. Great. Bless Thank your heart. You. Okay, dear. I'll talk to you. Mm-hmm. This is Dr. Ray, 877-573-7825. I'd love to hear from you, please. 877-57-Equal. Got some lines open. As always, you can call in and uh, I will head straight toward you. To the degree I can. 
Living the Beatitudes with Father Bjorn. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. St. Jose Maria Escriva says that we are called to light up the pathways of this earth by being sowers of peace and joy. This comes from being aware that we are sons and daughters of God. On the road of life, though, we find dangers, but God walks with us every step of our life, pouring out the gifts of His Holy Spirit upon us. Our Lady is our companion, like GPS in our car, connected to the cloud and bringing the latest updates to help us navigate our journey and get out of traffic on the way to the eternal kingdom. We don't want to get into family fights on our way to God's vacation destination, but we should be these sowers of peace and joy. We shouldn't accept substitutes, accept only the authentic identity of being His children, His sons and daughters. Let's grow in happiness and bring peace to those around us. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. For more about the Beatitudes, visit EWTNRC.com. The idea that the United States of America should now be a nation in a high-handed rebellion against God makes me choke. I mean, there are some people who seem to think that the problem in America is simply between conservatives and liberals, between Democrats and Republicans. But these group distinctions are not the most important distinctions. The real division is between those who are being drawn to Christ and those who are fleeing Him. All humans are created in the image of God, and we are made for loving relationship with our Creator. Any human being will never find their full fulfillment apart from God. And those of us who are united to Christ by faith and baptism in His mission of redemption owe everyone we meet the love and consideration that helps draw them closer to their eternal lover. Cresta in the Afternoon, weekdays at 4 Eastern on EWTN Radio. Hi everybody, this is Dr. Ray. You are listening to a least worst of The Doctor Is In. We have no best of, but this is truly one of our least worst. That sounds like that easy listening bossa nova kind of Anton Jobim music. Thanks for joining me, Dr. Ray Grandy. From Cleveland, The Rock, AM 1260, which was Wixie, W-I-X-Y, when I was a kid growing up where they played all the top 40, the Beatles and the Mamas and the Papas and and the monkeys and the turtles, all those groups. And now it has become Catholic Station. Is that cool or what? Hi, Lisa. Hi, Dr. Ray. Thanks for the call. Thank you so much for having me. It's such a pleasure. I've listened to you for a long time now, and you're always spot on with your advice. Well, that's because you agree with me. You wouldn't think I was <laughs> spot on if you disagreed with me. You'd say, no, that guy's way off. You've got a heck of a point, as usual. (laughs) (laughs) So what happened before your marriage, and how did he find out about it? So before we got married, I was emailing and texting inappropriately to men from my past. Um, Men that I had had these relationships with you know, up to 10 years almost at that point. And 
he was going through my phone and he found it. Why would he go through your phone? I don't know. I think he was looking for something, um, and I got a notification that popped up from one of these guys. And, of course, when he saw that, he went back in time and saw Okay, so it wasn't that he was suspicious about you. It just happened to happen serendipitously. Yes. Okay. Now, there was no and physical relationship. It was just these inappropriate textings. Well, there was a physical relationship with someone inappropriately and illicitly while we were dating. Okay. He found out about this after you were married. Correct. All right. And what's what's his point now when he still brings this up? What is what is he saying? I'm hurting and it's all your fault and you're going to do it again. Ah, uh, there's where it's coming from. He doesn't trust you. Yes. Have you asked him how will I ever convince you that I'm not going to do it again? Yes, I have. And he says that's never going to happen. Ouch! Just because of how women are today. Oh. So he. Trust a woman and. That you got to ask him a question then. Why are you still married to me? For the kids. I see. I'm not saying you're saying divorce me, I'm just simply saying. I'm confused because if, in fact, you're just waiting for me to do this again and it's going to happen without doubt in your mind, why would you wait for it to happen? Most people would get out of here. But he says, what, I'm going to stay here till the kids are raised? Um, Yeah, yeah. Mm. Well, would that affect him? wanting any more children because every time he adds a child he adds another 18 years to his supposed misery apparently not we have four children <laughs> um, in five years in, in five yeah. years huh and he does not believe that the kids are his what in <laughs> in spite of several paternity tests Proving that they are, in fact, his children. And what does he say? The tests are wrong? Yes, essentially. Does this strike you as odd, Lisa? It's totally irrational. Is he irrational in other things? Um, partly. Partly. This is the prime offender. Did you see this... When you were dating? No. Huh. So if you ask him... That being said, Dr. Ray, I did know he had a penchant for holding on to especially pain. Um, his father passed away when he was younger. He was about 13 when his dad passed. And when I met him at 19... He was still holding a big torch for his dad having passed. And he's now 28. And 
now dad was a jerk and I never should have grieved him, but he's still holding on to the pain of my illicit behavior from before we were dating. And this is now coming up on eight or nine years since I've done anything unfaithful. Is it as absolutely fresh now as it was then? Yes. Does it get tacked on to every argument, or does he bring it up often just out of the blue? Oftentimes it's out of the blue, but it's also tacked on to every argument. I see. How does this affect, I know this is a very broad-based question, how does it affect your marriage day-to-day? It depends on the day he's having. If we're having a good day, we can be having a great day and things are great and we get along and we talk, we laugh, we have fun. But if he brings it up in the morning, it casts a shadow over the entire day. He doesn't speak to me, doesn't really want to look at me if the kids are around. If the kids aren't around, then he feels free to kind of lay into me a little bit. Not physically but verbally. Has it stopped bothering you as much as it used to? I have good days and bad days. Some days I'm able to just kind of, as you had talked to a previous caller, go, that's just him. And other days, especially when I'm being blamed, it it hurts. Okay. It's hard. Well, when then, I'm being blamed for his life being ruined and uh, taken from him. And let's and, let's look at this a couple ways. One, I think you probably should quit trying to reason with him and just basically say to him, this is something you've got to get over because I've got four kids and I'm going to be the best mom I can be and that's not going to happen. And therefore, you, and, and until the day comes that you decide I am trustworthy, you'll never be at peace. And there's nothing I can do to convince you. So that's the way I'd approach it. But then after that, I would not be blindsided by his ups and downs. I would recognize that, yeah, we had a great day yesterday. That doesn't mean we're going to have a great day tomorrow. Who knows? Can't predict. So you, you essentially what he's doing is he's forcing you to immerse yourself in motherhood because you'd like to immerse yourself first in wifehood and then motherhood, but you can't do that when he doesn't let you on a day-to-day basis. So I always, when I have clients come into my office that uh, are in a marriage that's a struggle, I work my best to give them peace because the spouse won't come in. So I say, we got to figure out how you can live in this situation, even though the situation doesn't change, but that you are at peace. You can't say to yourself, I will only be at peace... If the situation changes, because it may not change, not for a while anyway. So you're going to find your own peace in this, and part of that's going to be, well, I'm going to quit arguing with him about this, and when he goes on a tirade, I'm just going to look at him. I'm just going to stare at him. I'm not going to fight him back. I'm not going to say, how long are you going to keep bringing this up? You know, this, uh, let it go. Forget it. All you're doing is inflaming him. Lisa, I, I, it's a heartfelt call. God bless you. Persever, you got four little ones who need a great mommy. Hang in there. Uh, I got a break. I'm sorry, my dear. The clock is a tyrant. This is Dr. Ray. 
saints are the heroes of the Catholic faith. They serve as examples for all Catholics, showing us how to lead a more satisfying, more spiritual life in communion with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. View our comprehensive documentation of saints who serve as theologians and doctors of the church. It's easy. Visit EWTN.com and click Catholicism. EWTN, the Global Catholic Network. Underwritten in part by the following nonprofit. Do you have an insurance plan that pays for everything, even things you don't believe in? There are options. You can join Solidarity HealthShare, a faith-based health-sharing community. Plus, Solidarity HealthShare can save you money with prices starting as low as $384 a month for families. Call to see how much you can save. 844-398-9399. That's 844-398-9399. As a Catholic mom, I know that parenting can be hard, frustrating, and lonely. But it doesn't have to be that way anymore. I'm Lisa Popcheck from More to Life, inviting you to become a premium member of Catholic Home. That's CatholicHOM.com. It's an online community dedicated to supporting Catholic parents like you. At Catholic Home, you can chat with our team of family life coaches every day, get expert help with discipline issues, self-care, creating a stronger marriage, living your faith at home, or just coping with the stress of being a Catholic parent in today's world. In addition to personalized expert support, you'll get access to tons of creative resources, entertaining videos that teach your kids how to get along and love the Lord downloadable activities, monthly live parenting Q&As, and a supportive community and tons of other benefits, like my Momfidence podcast. Go to CatholicHOM.com today and become a premium member of the Catholic Home Community. Again, that's CatholicHOM.com. I can't wait to see you there. You're listening to the least worst of The Doctor is In with Dr. Ray Garendi, so please, no calls at this time. Thank you for joining me. Real quick, I want to get to a couple of these. If you're on the phone at the end, please, you're first up. Amy from New York was seeing a counselor. Counselor said there's something Amy brought up that wasn't comfortable dealing with, and she said, we also didn't mesh very well, so what do I do now? Hi, Amy. Hi there, Dr. Ray. Uh, I'm very nervous. I've never done this before, but uh, I listen to you every day, and um, you are a gem, so I thought... Amy, I don't listen to me every day. <laughs> well, five days a week anyway, because I know you're, you you don't uh, broadcast on the weekends. But um, uh, I'm trying to deal with this uh, situation myself, and I'm having a lot of uh, difficulty. I was seeing um, a counselor. Um, I only saw him, I don't know, maybe about a half a dozen times. We had an issue uh, that came up. And I told him that, uh, okay, I would rectify the situation, I would work on it, whatever. And apparently I sort of did, and I sort of had a couple of uh, slips. And he decided uh, to end the relationship, and he wrote me a letter, to, uh, uh, which I thought was kind of the cowardly way out of dealing with this. I wanted to see him in person to try to, you know, work this out with him, but he wrote me a letter and told me that he was, uh, he had no other choice but to uh, discharge me from, um, you know, seeing him. It's very unusual, and, uh, Amy, yeah. for a counselor to say, 
okay, uh, something that you're doing in your life is uh, so inexplicable to me that I, I don't know how to relate to it. That's unusual. Most of the time when a counselor breaks off a relationship, it's because, one, the person brings up an issue that the counselor doesn't feel competent to deal with. For example, a common one is religion. A uh, mm-hmm. person brings up religion, and the counselor's not a religious person, as most of them are not. Therefore, they feel uh, somewhat out of their bailiwick and they say, I can't really deal with these religious issues. So that's an example. Was that it? Um, no, actually. Um, uh, he had diagnosed me uh, pretty much from the first time I saw him. Apparently, the agency that he works for and the counseling that he does, he deals with uh, people with traumas. And apparently, he decided that I definitely fit into that category. Um, so he, he knew about my issues. He knew about my problems. And at the time where, I mean, I volunteered. And well, you know what, honey? I'm going to have to hurry you along because you got about a minute. Okay. Um, I was brutally, uh, openly honest with him from um, day one. And I really thought that I could uh, work with him. I thought he was good at what he did. And um, he just decided uh, that uh, that that was uh, the end of it. When I needed Do you have any idea why? What did he say that I just don't want to work with you anymore? Well, I, I signed some kind of a contract or something uh, with him, and apparently one of the uh, issues that we had discussed was written in this contract that I signed. And he thinks and he you didn't live up. Right. He thinks you didn't I live signed, up to the contract, so, so therefore yeah. you're uncooperative and you're resistant, right. and I can't work with somebody who's uncooperative and resistant. Right, and yet I feel like I really want to go back to seeing him, but I figured, you know, am I going to make a total fool? Well, I think if, that's not the issue. I think the issue is he, for whatever the reason, uh, and I, I can't delve into this, but he believes that the relationship is not one that will work out. That's not unusual. I mean, half the people who come in my office have already had previous counselor relationships that either didn't work out or they couldn't mesh well with. So that's not unusual. My suggestion well, to you I, would but, be... But I felt like I meshed well with him, and I felt like I discussed things with him that I have never discussed with a counselor before, and I've been in therapy on and off pretty much my whole life, and I felt like, where was this guy, like, you know, 50-something years ago? You know, and so I, I well, feel if totally betrayed. Amy, totally no, no, betrayed. it's not a matter of betrayal. There, there could be a lot of reasons here. Don't take it personal. That's what you're doing. Just simply say, for whatever the reason, this person didn't feel like he could, uh, not say feel, didn't believe that he could work successfully with me. Um, and he essentially, though you might look at it like, wow, I was kind of a, an abrupt sort of thing through an email. Okay, fine. But that's okay. You can find yourself another person and perhaps you will relate to them better. And here's the other thing, too. You know, you said you've had counseling all your life. Well, he mm-hmm. probably knew that. And he's thinking, this woman has had counseling all her life. I'm I'm no I'm not sure I can alter anything. Could be. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know anybody, but just don't take it personal. That's the I think the one big thing you'd be affecting yourself about. Gotta go. Thank you so much for joining me. Michelle, I'll get to you. Please call back. I want to hear what you had to say on that one. This is Dr. A. Walk with God. For information on Dr. Ray's presentations, books, and CDs, visit DRA.com and follow him on Facebook. 
The Doctor is In is a co-production of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. 